Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the Commuters Podcast, Take Two. Yes, you got that correct. I did a great job of filming this morning. I then managed to delete my files permanently, even my uh, cloud storage backups somehow. Makes me think they didn't actually upload to the cloud like they were supposed to. So... This is us trying again. This is um, our first video podcast. It will be available on the actual podcast as a podcast, but it is also going to be available on my YouTube channel, Life with M-E-E. And yeah, I'm super excited for it. So let's do this. Um, We're on my lunch period. I've got about an hour. Um, I did about a half hour of programming this morning. So I feel like we can do this, but first let's go get gas. What are we going to talk about for the first podcast? I'm glad you asked. I thought we would talk about Zack Snyder's Justice League. So for those of you who um, are just a little bit confused, Zack Snyder recently released his version of Justice League, um, and it's available on HBO Max. You guys can go watch it there. Um, Please go watch it. Uh, I will tell you this right now. It was good, um, despite what I may say later on in the podcast. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so let's talk about it because, you know, I'm a huge nerd, and I hope that you guys are nerds too. Let's have fun. All right. uh, First off, Why are there two versions of Justice League, you may ask? Well, let me tell you. A co-worker of mine actually explained this to me yesterday. So what happened was Zach initially started filming Justice League. And um, in the midst of filming and doing all the stuff for Justice League, unfortunately, there was a death in the family and he had to step away from the project. And Warner Brothers then hired Josh Whedon to finish the project, to finish putting it together. And uh, that is the theatrical version that got released out into the world, the one that most of us have probably seen. And um, it's different than Zack's version because when you hire on a new director, there are going to be creative differences. And yeah, so Zack, after having dealt with this family um, death and all that was saddened that he was not able to see his version of Justice League lived out and he negotiated with Warner Brothers and got you know got it to where he could do his version of the Justice League um I understand that he did not get paid for directing this version of Justice League instead they just put all the money towards actual production so that's pretty cool Zach was like I just want to do this so badly you don't have to pay me put all the money to production so that's pretty darn cool all right give me just a second I'm about to go get some gas Okay, so while we're waiting for the gas to pump, we can have another little quick conversation about it. Um, Let's talk about the main creative difference between Josh Whedon and Zack Snyder's version of Justice League. So, um, Zack Snyder is known for his dark, 
gritty, you know, kind of the darker side of humanity movies. And honestly, I love that about his movies. He's got some great movies. Sucker Punch has got to be in like my top 10 of all time favorite movies. And Zack Snyder did that one. And so Zack's movie very much has that Zack side to him. Josh Whedon, on the other hand, is known, you know, for slightly more comedic, uplifting, snappy comebacks, lighter films and TV shows. Josh Whedon, I mostly know him for um, Serenity and Firefly. Like that's kind of like my introduction to him. And I also think he's a great director. Um, With these two directors being kind of on like polar opposite sides of the film industry and how they make the films, I'm going to be completely honest. The two versions of Justice League are kind of almost completely different like I could like because they deal with the multiverse I could see like it being how Justice League origin story carry it out on two separate universes so please do keep that in mind but um it looks like I'm done gassing up so I gotta go put the thing away and then we will come back and we will talk about what I liked what I didn't like who was better and yeah see you guys in a minute all right and we're off to go get lunch um i have no idea where i'm gonna get lunch from taco bell is always delicious but it's a hot minute away panera always takes a hot minute mcdonald's is just bleh. i don't know i don't know maybe i'll drive by someplace and i'll like it but uh let's talk about let's go back to talking about justice league so um a quick thing i should say right off the bat is there will be spoilers Okay, um, so if you don't want spoilers, if you plan on watching it and you don't want spoilers, click that pause button, click that stop button, and, you know, come back and rewatch this after you've had a chance to watch it. If you don't mind spoilers, um, if you've already seen it, or, you know, if you don't plan on watching it and you're gonna listen to the podcast anyways, uh, please keep on listening. Happy to have you. Uh, second thing I should say, I am somewhat of a critic um and I'm very critical about some things when it comes to filmmaking it's just who I am I'm not going to apologize for it (laughs) um and so for that reason I may have some opinions on these movies that maybe may conflict with some of the opinions you've heard or it may even conflict with your own opinion please do not let my opinion dictate whether or not you watch these movies whether or not you like these movies please make your own opinion if my opinion is you know like a factor that's great that's cool by me otherwise you know yeah because everyone should make their own opinions okay we're at a red light it's a good time to get a coffee sip all right so differences between we're going to talk about differences and then I'll talk about what and then that'll kind of lead into what I liked and what I didn't like difference big 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 humongous difference between Zack Snyder's Justice League and Josh Whedon's Justice League would be character focus Josh Whedon's um Justice League didn't really have a character focus um it was it was basically Batman putting a team together to uh, defeat Stephen Wolf, and you know, at some point they decided to raise Superman. And on a level, it actually almost became a little bit more about instilling hope back into humanity, kind of like the hope that they lost when Superman died. So it almost turned into kind of like a Superman movie, um, which is whatever, right? Um, I wasn't, it, it lacked basic structure, um, so that made it difficult 
for me personally and for a lot of people just because it did kind of like that basic character structure. Um, but I, I didn't dislike it. I, I do like the movie. I own it and I've watched it. Zack Snyder's Justice League, on the other hand, had a very core focus on Cyborg. So um, Cyborg or Victor Stone in the actual comics has a lot to do with the motherboards. I mean, not the motherboards, the mother boxes. The mother boxes are what created him. He is connected to the mother boxes. And um, because the mother boxes are part of the villainy of this story, Cyborg is automatically going to be a part of that. And Josh Whedon kind of like took Cyborg's part down and minimalized it just like he did with basically every single character in the movie. And in Zack Snyder's version, it it is almost a cyborg origin story. Like you can see it as he taught as you know, like we 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 learn about who Cyborg was before. We learn about who Cyborg is now. We learn about the transition process. We see him deal with you know becoming Cyborg. We see him deal with the loss of his mother. We see him deal with these feelings he has towards his father because his father turned him into Cyborg. We see him deal with his father's death. We see him you know come to accept himself as a not broken entity and so Zack Snyder's Justice League was very much more so a um a a cyborg origin story which is cool by me because cyborg is personally one of my favorite characters in the Justice League series um I like him I like Green Lantern and I like Martian Manhunter is there a theme here maybe but we don't need to bring that up (laughs) All right. So that's huge. Um, Aside from having the origin story, which I absolutely loved, and I absolutely love that whole just focus on Cyborg for so many reasons, um, the, the, the whole Cyborg origin kind of created a baseline, um, a heartbeat for the movie, something for the movie to rest on and build upon. And that was awesome. And it, Josh Whedon's Justice League kind of I, I mean, it was lacking that, which is one of the reasons why it wasn't a huge hit, and I understand that, and so I did like that focus on Cyborg. Um, in the same breath, though, however, um, both movies kind of have, kind of have the same villain. Not exactly the same villain, which is where one of my things comes in. So, um, in Josh Whedon's Justice League, Steppenwolf is the bad guy. Stefan Wolf came to Earth thousands of years ago with the mother boxes intent on destroying it. The, you know, all the tribes of man and the Atlanteans and the gods and the Amazons, they all united together to fend off Stefan Wolf. And so Stefan Wolf ran away in shame. And then, uh, and then, uh, you know, he came back after Superman died and he's here to complete his mission. And that's the villain story. And, um, simple, very, very simple. Um, but Steppenwolf in Josh Whedon's was a very refined character. He had this sense of, I think I'm doing what is correct. I am doing what my morals and what my inner thing calls for me to do. This is the correct course of action and I will do it. Um, and, you know, it just had this elegance to him versus uh, Zack Snyder's Steppenwolf. So Zack Snyder's Steppenwolf actually works 
for a villain called Darkseid. Darkseid was the original one who came to Earth with the Mother Boxes, intent on finding antimatter formula, and the tri- and all everybody stood against Darkseid. Darkseid had to flee, left the Mother Boxes behind, and then Steph and Wolf, when when they wake up, get sent to Earth to finish the mission and Stefan Wolf is kind of trying to like um make up for something we're not entirely sure what he's trying to make up for but he's trying to make up for something and uh and you know I don't dislike that side of the villain I like the complexity in the villainy there with the dark side and the antimatter and you know Stefan Wolf being kind of a pawn I like that what I don't like is the way Stefan Wolf comes across. Stefan Wolf comes across as kind of like a, a whiny teenager who didn't get his way, who thinks that life is unfair because now he's not the favorite of Darkseid. And so he's like, can I talk to Darkseid? I'm here to fight Darkseid. I can't find the mother boxes. Tell me where the mother boxes are or I'm going to kill you because I need to get back to Darkseid's good graces. Cry baby, you know? That annoyed the shit out of me. <laughs> I, I was just like listening to him. I was just like, what is, what, 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 why? You know, because me personally, I like a refined villain. And and maybe Stefan Wolf's whininess wouldn't have bothered me as much if Josh Whedon hadn't given him this refinement in his version of the movie. And that is the first version I saw. Maybe that is where part of my prejudice comes from but on the same level like it is just so he's so one-dimensional I hate one-dimensional characters which is one of the reasons why I don't like certain characters in Josh Whedon's version of Justice League because he turned some of these characters into one one and then Zach did the same thing and so you know like eh, that one-dimensional side of Stephen Wolf was uh irksome for me um but in the same breath, something about the whole villain storyline I actually like better in Zack Snyder's, and that is the mother boxes. Josh Whedon simplified the mother boxes down to essentially a weapon. Um, they, he kind of like Cyborg says that it's an eternal cycle of creation, destruction, and creation sped up about a million times. And, you know, it's kind of decided that they were created by Stefan Wolf for the exact purpose of turning worlds into his primordial homeworld. Um, and that's not what the mother boxes are. The mother boxes in the comic books are much different. They're essentially just supercomputers with the ability to rewrite matter. And, you know, they have no evilness, no goodness to them. They're computers. So depending on whose hands they're in, they can um, they can do good things. They can do bad things. And Zach focused on that more. And so, you know, the idea is Darkseid and Stefan Wolf, they didn't create them. They just used them to destroy worlds. But in the correct hands, which in this case is kind of the Justice League's hand, but kind of not the Justice League's hands, um, they can be used for good. And that is how they decide that they should resurrect Superman. And so, yeah, there's that. So I like that better. 
I, I'm just gonna say this right here, right now. I would have loved it if we could have taken some of what made Josh's Justice League good and what made Zach's Justice League good. And if we could just merge it together and make one glorious movie, I think that would probably make me happy because, you know, there's things I like about both of them. And if we could just combine them, that would be fantastic. Um, yeah. So I said that. Um, Oh, shoot. I forgot what my next thing is to... Okay, but we got a long line of traffic here before I can turn, so... Okay. Um, mother box is better. Okay. Um, okay. So, I kind of... I think I've kind of already brought this up in some of the ways I've been talking about Zack Snyder's Justice League versus Josh Whedon's Justice League. Zack Snyder's Justice League is more complex, Okay, um, first off, I should mention that his movie is four hours long, um, whereas Josh's is, like, maybe two. Um, and part of that is obviously theatrical things, right? Like, most people won't go to the theaters to see a three-hour-long movie. I will. I'm a nerd. I'll sit down and I'll have a Lord of the Rings extended edition marathon and I won't get out of bed for eight weeks. I mean, for eight weeks, for eight hours, um, except to, you know, get food occasionally and use the facilities. Like, that's me. I'm a giant nerd. So the four-hour movie doesn't bug me, um, but it does bug some people. So I know that Josh Whedon's shorter version has something to do with that. But at the same time, Josh Whedon's is a very simple um, storyline. It is, uh, Steppenwolf came to Earth, got defeated. Superman died. Steppenwolf came back. Batman puts together a team. We defeat Steppenwolf. There you go. That's it. Done. Summed up in five fingers. Not Zack Snyder's. Zack Snyder's is Darkseid has been roaming the galaxy for thousands of years and he's been looking for the antimatter and he destroys worlds on his way. He finds the antimatter on Earth, but Earth defeats him, so he has to run away in defeat. Superman dies. Okay, um, sorry. So, um, so Dr. Stone, Dr. Silas Stone, Victor Stone, Cyborg's dad, finds the mother box, creates Cyborg. Okay? Superman dies. One of the mother boxes wakes up and Darkseid sends Stefan Wolf down to Earth to get the mother boxes in to defeat Earth. Okay? Right? Um, Superman is resurrected and then Stefan Wolf finds antimatter and then they defeat Stefan Wolf and Darkseid decides that he's going to come back to Earth to get the antimatter. And then there is a timeline thing where Batman is trying to fix the timelines. And um, so that way Superman doesn't turn dark because due to a mistake that Batman man, Batman made Superman loses Lois Lane and this essentially causes him to turn dark. And it's kind of insinuated that Superman joins Darkseid. Um, and that's a recurring theme. So all of these elements of the story are layered in, so it creates for a more complex storyline. I love a complex storyline. Do not get me wrong. I love a complex storyline. Um, I don't know why I'm doing this. It sounds like fun. Anyways, um, but in the same breadth with the complex storyline, it's not a great complex storyline. Hold up just a second. I'm going to order some food here.
Uh, yeah, can I get a $6 meal deal, the three-piece chicken strip one? Sure. What taste of the ding sauce would you like? Uh, ranch. What would you like to drink? Um, I'll do a root beer. Like what flavor for the Sunday? Um, is there any chance I could make it a misty slush? Is that doable? Not in the meal deal. I can do one on the side if you'd like. Um, never mind. I'll just do a fudge sundae then. Okay. Anything else? Um, nope. That's everything. Okay. $6 Thank you. So, yeah, we decided to go with Dairy Queen for lunch. Yeah, you guys get to accompany me while I go through the drive-thru. Um, which is kind of nice because I can do a little bit more looking at the camera and talking with my hands um, versus when I'm driving and I'm just like talking with one hand and I'm not looking at the camera. <laughs> All right. Um, where were we? Complexities. I like complex storylines, but... Not all the complexities of Zack Snyder's Justice League necessarily added to the movie in a good way. Um, and so, like, a couple of these complexities have to do with character backgrounds. So, obviously, we expanded more on Cyborg. Fantastic. Loved it. That was, like, the beating heart of the movie. I will say it again. I loved that part of the movie. However, we did try to expand some with Diana and what she knows about um, Stefan Wolf and Darkseid. And we tried to expand some more and explore Arthur Curry, the Aquaman, and what he knows and how he's doing at this point in time. And because this is was before the Aquaman movie, the, that's when it was supposed to be released, was before the Aquaman movie. And, well, eh, it wasn't great. Um, so in Josh Whedon's version, um... Aquaman and Diana, they kind of already knew about the Mother Boxes. Um, it was almost treated as in part of Atlantean and Amazon history that Arthur probably learned it from Ptolemec while Ptolemec was training Arthur on the ways of the Atlanteans and that um, Diana probably learned about the Mother Boxes while she was on the Mascara growing up because, you know, she lived there for a couple thousand of years and there is a Mother Box quite literally on the Mascara that is being constantly guarded by Amazons. So that makes sense to me. Um, in Zack Snyder's version, Diana doesn't necessarily know about the mother boxes um the amazons shoot the arrow to her she knows that the beacon means invasion she goes to the temple gets the arrow which and then goes to like some caverns under the temple and then the arrow is the key to a door and then the door unlocks into this room that has essentially the painted history of the mother boxes on it and <sighs> what why that doesn't that doesn't make any sense in my mind personally this is this is a personal opinion here i don't see how it helps the story i don't see how it adds to the story so we got some tomb raider shit going on okay what it would make sense that you know if someone were to get like if like a human were to get the arrow and go down and find that that would make sense to me because the humans i mean we've got a short memory span right but like Diana's mom and her aunt quite literally fought in the battle against Stefan Wolf 
and the box, the, the mother box is there on the mascara and all the Amazons know about the mother box. They may not know everything about it, but they know about the mother box. So why does Diana not know anything about the mother box? That doesn't make any sense. And what does this whole Tomb Raider go down and find this room have anything? How does that add to the story? I don't, I don't understand that. That didn't make sense to me. Um, as far as Aquaman goes, I mean, we didn't know a whole ton about Aquaman before this movie came out. We literally, I mean, unless you've read the comics like I had, you know nothing about Aquaman. And I think Zack was trying to explain some things about Aquaman, but it just, it didn't work. It didn't work. Um, hold up. Give me a second. I gotta pay for my food. Thank you. Do you need a lid? Uh, no, thank you. Have a good day. Thank you, you too. That was quick. Maybe I did need a lid. Oh well. So, um, yeah, cause like, um, after after Aquaman has this meeting with Bruce Wayne, right? Um, are you... Okay, you must be trying to get in here. After Aquaman has this meeting with Bruce Wayne, he then goes and he... And he goes and he sees Ptolemech, and Ptolemech's like, Oh, it's your legacy to become the king. You should take over for the king, for you know, because your brother is not good, and you should be the king. And Aquaman's like, I don't want to be the king. Meh. Everyone can meh, you know? And, like, <laughs> and then there was, like, a little expanded, like, talk between him and, uh, what's, what's her Amber Heard's character's name, who I don't care about. I don't know. There was more conversation between them. And you could tell the entire purpose of it was to kind of, like, give you, like, an idea of who Aquaman was. But literally, it did not. It did not. I don't... It did not. It, it, it didn't. It didn't do anything to add to Aquaman's story at all. I thought that some of this stuff was pointless and complex for no reason. Um... Yeah, so that that wasn't a huge thing for me. Another thing that kind of slightly annoyed me was some of the continuity things. So, and I'm trying not to be too critical here because I do recognize that Zack Snyder didn't get a complete, complete finish, complete filming his, um, his whatever his script was. Um, so I recognize that there was probably some more filming that he would have wanted to do, but now he wasn't able to get the cast together because they're all working on various projects in COVID-19, but he still wanted to release a video. And I recognize that being four hours long, this is probably like a rough cut of the movie. But at the same time, there's just some things that it's just like, it was written, it was filmed, it sat on the shelf for a couple of years, and then you came back and you still put it in the movie? What the hell? What the hell? Like, um, and that just, that just got on me. That just annoyed the crap out of me. There was some conversations between Dr. Stone and this other researcher at Star Labs who becomes the head researcher on the, on the Kryptonian ship, and I can't remember what his name is off the top of my head, but, I mean, it was like, it was bad. It was like, tell me about the laser. Well, let me tell you about the laser. Like, what is this? What is this? 90s infomercial? This is, 
we're better than this. We can write better than this. I know we can. And there was this thing where, like, um, Batman and Diana and Barry and uh, Cyborg and Arthur are all in the Batcave having a conversation about the mother box, the last mother box, um, and being able to bring Superman back, right? So they're in the Batcave for this conversation. That's in Zack Snyder's version and in Josh Whedon's version. They're both in the Batcave, right? Then they wake up Superman. Stephen Wolf comes and gets the box and they come back to the Batcave. And when they come back to the Batcave, it was it kind of had this feeling of like, oh, I've never been to the Batcave before. What is this? And it's like, they've already been in the Batcave. And you know, like, it was written like that. It was filmed like that. It sat on the shelf for a couple years and then it came back and they put it in the movie and he was just, hmm. That stuff annoyed me. That, that annoyed me. That that annoyed me. I would have loved to see a little bit more of a polished version of Zack Snyder's Justice League. I think that wouldn't have annoyed me as much. And I recognize, again, this is later. This is post-production. This is not complete filming. But still, I feel like, you know, that didn't need to be there. Hmm. But that's just me. Um, okay. Uh, let's see. Talked about that talked about that okay um just yeah i mean yeah um so yeah so now that i've ranted about Zack snyder's justice league and some of the continuity and the unnecessary complexity let me take a moment and rant about josh whedon's movie and what he did to Cyborg and Barry Allen. Not The Flash. Um, because Barry Allen isn't The Flash yet. We will talk about that in a minute. Um, so, you know, The Flash, Cyborg, Barry Allen. Sorry, I just said he's not The Flash and then I called him The Flash. What the H? Um, Barry Allen and Cyborg are incredibly smart guys. Um, they were inc- They had incredibly smart IQs, high IQs prior to being given super abilities, right? And they're both innately good people. And then, you know, their accidents happened, they get super abilities, and, you know, and now they're superheroes. So, and there's complexity to their characters, and they're smart characters, and they're competent characters, and Josh Whedon essentially reduced them to, like, JV basketball players who suddenly got thrown onto the varsity team because someone called out sick. You know, like, Barry Allen was all like, oh, it seems cool that you guys are ready to do battle, but I've never done battle. Like, no, that's not true. That's not true. Barry Allen was defending, you know, humanity and, you know, like, being and trying to be a hero prior to actually having any superpowers. Like, Barry's a badass. And then Cyborg was all like, I don't know if I'm human or a monster. I don't know. I don't know. Someone tell me what I am. And Diana's like, oh, you're a good guy. I can see it in you. And it's like, that annoyed the hell out of me when I watched Josh's version. Because that's not those characters. And and he reduced the characters down to these teenagers that needed hand-holding throughout the entire thing and they don't they didn't they never have 
So that annoyed the crap out of me. And, you know, and those characters didn't deserve that. So that was annoying. And especially and especially considering the complexity that had been built into them from Zack Snyder's script. Like, you know that Josh got Zack's script, saw the way it was, and then said, yeah, you know what? We're just going to take this main character and we're going to reduce him down to nothing. And then we're going to take this other guy and we're going to also reduce him down to nothing. So that way I've got two var- two varsity players and two JV players. And it was just like, why? Why? That was stupid. That was stupid as hell. Okay, there you go. I ranted for a hot minute about both of them. <laughs> Once again, I would love to take some of the, I would love to take the good things about Zach's Justice League and the good thing about Josh's Zach- Josh's Justice League and merge them together into one glorious movie that is the Justice League movie. That would be fantastic. All right. Overall, which movie did I like better? Um, despite all the continuity things and um, despite the fact that, you know, it was a rough cut, I do think I actually like Zack Snyder's Justice League better than Josh Whedon's Justice League. Uh, because of the added complexity, the added layers, the the way that the characters are developed better, and the way that the um um and the way that the storyline can lead into more movies, you know. I loved that for sure. And so I think that that makes Zack Snyder's my favorite. I do still like Josh's, despite my annoyance with both of them. <laughs> Um, okay, let's talk about, um, let's talk about my favorite part of each movie. So I would probably have to say my favorite part of Zack Snyder's Justice League is the appearance of Martian Manhunter. Yes, I love Jean Jean's. He is fantastic. I I think I already mentioned how my three favorite characters in DC are Cyborg, Martian Manhunter, and Green Lantern. And so when Martian Manhunter showed up, I was so excited. I wish I had more of him, but he did kind of show up in like a badass way. He was like, hi, by the way, I'm here. I want to help you. I've seen the Defenders of Earth and they defend and I'm going to join you. By the way, some people call me Martian Manhunter. I'll see you around. That was awesome. I loved it. I cannot wait to see more of his character. So excited. So excited. Um, what is my favorite part of Josh Whedon's, uh, Justice League? Well, that would have to be the mid-credit scene, and this was a Josh thing, this isn't a Zach thing. That would have to be the mid-credit scene where Superman and Barry Allen are having a little race to see who is fastest. In the actual comics, it is discussed on multiple occasions who's faster, Superman or The Flash. And, um... I, and so, you know, I think in the comics, it's the Flash. I'm pretty sure it's the Flash that, that the Flash can run faster than Superman. The Flash can run at the speed of light. Um, science gets crazy when he runs at the speed of light and he sometimes, um, travels through time accidentally, but he can travel that fast. I don't think Superman can travel that fast. But anyways, seeing that that start of that curiosity and that friendly, good-natured rivalry of, oh, who's faster, was just so fulfilling for me and that part of the comic book. So I loved that. <laughs> All right. Um, I didn't have time earlier because I was at work, but I'm on lunch and I still got a little bit of time. So let's talk about... Um, 
let's talk about uh the Barry Allen is not the Flash thing I mentioned earlier. Okay, so um the uh uh okay, so Barry in the Justice League movies is just Barry Lee, Barry Allen. He hasn't been given a superhero name yet. He hasn't even really necessarily made his de- debut as a superhero. So he's just the Barry. He's just Barry Allen. And he's he hasn't been given the name the Flash yet. And um, he actually de- is he actually gets the name Flash from another Flash. And here's how it goes. You ready? Okay. So do you do any of you watch the DC TV shows on the CW? If you do, you probably know where I'm going with this. If you don't, well, stay tuned. So there are several DC TV shows. Um, I think technically they're all in they're all it's called the Arrowverse so the green arrow was the first one and then the flash was the next one and then I think it was Supergirl came in and then DC's Legends of Tomorrow and the most recent addition is Batgirl um yes so and I'm pretty sure that's the way it works so um in these shows they have crossovers um and the crossover for 2019 2020 which was just after the release of Justice League the the Josh Whedon Justice League um they have a crossover called Crisis on Infinite Earths and what it essentially is is um the 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 heroes from the Arrowverse timeline are coming into contact with a hero who is trying to destroy, I mean, not a hero, a villain who is trying to destroy all the timelines and reduce it back to just the beginning, right? Anyways, so there's Paragons and the Paragons together can fight against this this villain and keep him from destroying all times, but in order to, but, um, yeah, and um, yeah, there there's complexities. Go watch it; it's great. But you do have to kind of like watch the series. Like you can't just watch the crossover episodes because you will not understand what's going on. So um, <laughs> so um, what happened is during the crossovers, um, the bad guy actually almost actually kind of like succeeds for a minute and the paragons all go to a place called the vanishing point and the vanishing point is a point out to outside of space and time and it's where the and it's where these time traveling police guys kind of set up their headquarters at first and the legends they dealt with them and so now it's just no one stays there and it is a place safe from attacks from the villain in the in the crisis on infinite earths because it's outside of space and time so while there, Barry is essentially stuck. Um, the Flash, the the TV Flash, is essentially stuck, and he's trying to get out. And while he's doing it, he is trying to find flashes from other universes, and Flash from the and Barry Allen from the Justice League movies. Ezra Miller, the actor, shows up for a hot minute in the Vanishing Point and talks to Barry. And Barry's like, "Oh, you're the Flash." I'm and Barry's like the Flash. I like that name. I think I'm gonna keep it. And he takes that name with him, and that is how he gets the name Flash. But that is all post Justice League. So in the Justice League, he's just Barry. He's not the Flash. Okay, I had my nerd moment. Freaked out about it. I'm gonna stop freaking out about it, and I'm gonna 
close up the podcast. So yeah, once again, people, um, please keep in mind, this is not an exhaustive um, explanation or anything about the C about the DC universe, the Justice League, Zack Snyder's, Josh Whedon's, or even the TV series that I mentioned at the end. It's not exhaustive. Please get get excited. Go explore. Go make your own decisions. Go watch the Justice Leagues, um, and have fun doing that. Um, in the meantime, uh. Share this with your friends if you're watching it. Um, and if you enjoyed it, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope my rambling didn't annoy you too much. Um, but share this with your friends. Uh, don't forget to follow me here on my YouTube channel. Don't forget to follow me on my podcast at the Commuters Podcast. Um, it can be found on Spotify, Google Podcast, um, you know, Radio Cast, Pocket Cast, and all that stuff. Remember to follow me on Facebook at the Commuters Podcast. Remember to follow me on TikTok at Emily's M Sweller. Same thing on Twitter and Instagram. And I will see you all for the next episode. In the meantime, stay happy, stay healthy, stay safe.